0: Well, good morning again, and I am excited to be here for this last message in the month of January on the main thing, that thing that we're supposed to focus on each and every day, that thing that we are supposed to keep at the forefront of our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, and our daily living, and that is that idea of how do we keep God's kingdom first and foremost in our thought life and in our actions and it it is hard it is difficult to spend every day all day long thinking great thoughts about God and how to live joyfully for him and we got that inspiration from Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 where Jesus says but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you so our first primary goal that first thing on our checklist that very first thing of a new year's resolution is how do we keep his kingdom, his character, his work, central in our lives. And we saw that when we give in to worry, deeply concerned for matters, it can just suck us dry of the energy that we need to keep God first in our lives. And we also saw that pride certainly gets in the way of thinking great thoughts about God because all of our thoughts are about us and how we need to be taken care of, and how we should be praised, and how we should be number one instead of God and his work here in the church. And then last week we saw the danger of an external enemy, false teachers. How they can come in and rob us of that joy, how they can rob us of right, good thoughts about God, how they can bring falsehood into it, and our call to be diligent as students of God's word, knowing and understanding what God has written for us. Not taking someone's word for it, but taking God's word for it. And this week, I thought we would switch it up a little bit, and instead of talking about negative things that we have to overcome, like worry, pride, and false teachers, I thought about giving us something positive to think about, because sometimes, dwelling on all the negatives, we feel kind of beat down, and I totally understand that. So I want to give us something that's awesome to think about and we want to talk about God's awesomeness and the word awesome has this real uh, comfortable feeling for us we kind of call everything awesome how was that food oh it was awesome how was that movie it was awesome how was that game it was awesome and we just throw this word around with regularity and sometimes it loses the impact that God says about himself when we say well God is awesome as well. So awesome has with it that flavor of being profoundly reverent, profoundly reverent, and terrifically inspirational. And I use that word terrifically in the real sense of terror. And you might even say the word fear. That there is this immediate moment when I think about God's great work, about his great nature, about his character and his interaction with us. And there is a sense in which, like Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 6, fell flat down on his face and say, God, you are too amazing for me. I cannot handle it. I'm undone. And that is healthy, to have an understanding that God is wholly different than us. He's not like man. He doesn't lie. He doesn't disappoint. He never goes back against his word. He never gets too tired and tells you, I won't help. And so God describes himself as awesome. But reality sets in the moment we start thinking about God like that. Because there's times, if we're being completely honest with each other, there are times where we don't feel God is all that awesome. There are times where we don't feel awesomely inspired to draw near to him. There are times where we doubt, does God really love me? There are times where we feel like our prayers are hitting the ceiling and falling right back down, and God doesn't care. There are times where we feel we are alone. There are times where we feel lonelier than Jonah at the bottom of the sea in the mouth and belly of a whale. We feel isolated. And we think, God, where are you? Has anyone ever felt that this week? Right? Well, we need to be reminded. And we're going to be reminded this morning. That even if we have those kind of doubts, even if we have those kind of uncertainties, even if we feel a disconnect between God and ourselves, it doesn't change the fact that our feelings can be wrong. God is always right. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 10, and we're going to look at two passages. We're going to look at something in Deuteronomy chapter 10, and then we're going to look at Psalm 66, probably in whole Psalm 66. But in Deuteronomy 10, it's a passage that God sets out for his people as they're going through the wilderness, and they're right at the end of their wilderness journey, preparing to go into the promised land. Moses is still leading them, and Moses is giving them God's word that Moses heard directly from God himself to encourage this group of 70 people who, while they were in Israel, grew to over 2.5 million people, and God's blessing has been upon them. They've sinned against God, so they have wandered in the wilderness 40 years and here's God's pep talk basically for Israel as they're going into the promised land because they're gonna have a lot of hardships still on this journey and of course going into the promised land and Moses gives them this encouragement Now I'm going to read a couple verses starting in verse 12 going all the way to the end of the chapter verse 22 and then we're going to focus on two verses that have the word awesome in it and now Israel What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to observe the Lord's commandments and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good? To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it, Yet the Lord has set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all nations, as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is the one you praise. He is your God, who performed for you great and awesome wonders that you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. So from that Old Testament passage, reading it just one time, what is your impression? What's the thought that Moses is trying to get across to his people who are going to have a real difficult time in the next coming years? What's that thought that comes across? God is in this for me. God is in this for me now as he was in the past. God's love is on display. Your love is on display. And God's work is evident in every one of those verses. Has not God done this? Does he not own this? Did he not create this? Did he not do this for you and your ancestors? Did God not place his love upon you and promises upon you? He's not going to lie to you. Is he not for you? And the answer is yes. And what does he require of me in return? To love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love my neighbors. doesn't say that in the text, but certainly says, love those that are dwelling with you, that may not be just like you. Love them, honor them, be gracious to them as God has been gracious to you. And those two verses that cry out with this idea of a reverent, awesome excitement and fear of God. Verse 17, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. So he's saying, first of all, that in a, in a universe where people worship all sorts of gods, worship all sorts of things, from things made of wood and stone to immaterial things like wealth and prestige and education and relationships, it says all of those, all of those things that people put up as more important than me, I'm more important than they are. It doesn't matter what they are, I'm the God of gods and Lord of lords. In the New Testament, He adds, king of kings. Just so we understand, he's also talking about earthly rulers. They don't have anything compared to God as far as value and worth and worship. And he says, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Our God is fair. Our God is for us. Our God is able. That's what I get out of that verse. He's able he is uniquely able to be near to us, to lead us, to guide us, to encourage us, uniquely able to give us his strength, uniquely able to receive our praise and our worship. And it's only him. No one else gets that spot. No one else gets that right. No one else created the heavens and earth. No one else delivered us from the bondage of sin. No one else have been chosen to be loved by him but you, his people. And that verse 20, fear the Lord your God and serve him. There is a healthy thing about fear, it keeps us on our toes, it keeps us attentive, and it keeps us understanding there's a relationship difference between our nature. He is holy, he is God of God, he is mighty, he is Lord of lords, he is King of kings, he is not like us. I think the moment that, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just a weird quirk that I have, but I think about what it might be like the day I meet Jesus, (laughs) The, the day I meet God sitting on his throne, And from every indication in Scripture, um, when things like that happen, uh, it's not a big dancing party that takes place. It's a solemn bowing and humbly acknowledging the greatness of God. And I think that day when we have that opportunity to meet Him face to face. And we each get that opportunity. We each will be faced with that, no matter how strong and resolved we think we are, no matter how independent you think you are, you are fully going to kneel before the God of God, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords one day, and you will answer to him how your life played out with his son. How did you reflect his son in everyday life? That, I think, is going to be a moment where it's not great high-fiving everyone around us. I think that's going to be a moment where it is, like Isaiah, I'm undone, I'm undone. And the verse speaks to that. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders that you saw with your own eyes. Now he's speaking to the nation of Israel who's just spent 400 plus years in captivity, and slavery, and they were being beaten down and beaten down and beaten down and beaten down and told they were worthless and useless and they were abused emotionally and physically. I mean, they were just, they were slaves. And God had just rescued them through the miracles of ten plagues that God brought by the hand of Moses. And they saw themselves crossing the Red Sea on dry land, and they, they saw the pillar of fire at night and the cloud during the day of God leading them. They had seen the miracle of being given manna and quail to eat. Their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years, God says. That's amazing. So they had seen God actively involved in their lives, caring for them and nurturing them and protecting them, loving them, as a father and a mother loves their children. We didn't experience that. We didn't see that. They saw it. Are we really that different from those Israelites? Are we really... Have we... Let's just ask the question. Have we experienced god's awesomeness in our lives absolutely every morning i stand and wake out of that bed it is by the hand of god's mercy and tenderness that i'm given another day same with you and we take it for granted don't we we take it for granted. Oh, once in a while we get up and go, oh Lord, thank you for this day. It's gonna be an exciting day. I've got this, 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 and this planned, and there are awesome things. But those days where we don't have awesome things planned, all of a sudden it becomes a little bit less focused on God and more focused on all the different trials that we might have that day. But yes, we have found, we have experienced, we have seen the wonders of God with our own eyes. At a summer camp one time, uh, we were talking about the greatness of God, going through his attributes, and I remember challenging and encouraging the kids, instead of running off today and playing for the rest of the day, uh, take a moment and pick up a single blade of grass. Just pick up a single blade of grass or a leaf that they find in the woods and forests that were surrounding the, the summer camp and I said just take that leaf take that blade of grass and start to be amazed at how intricate and how wonderful something like what we walk on was made by God and then ask the question why did he put it here and we could answer that question he put it here so that I might remember God is wonderful God is mighty. God is amazing. God is awesome. How you can ever look at the mountains and just think of it as, eh, I've seen it before. Every time you look up at the night sky, every time you look at the summer sky, or the sky at all here, you could be amazed that God has blessed you with the moment to hear the bird, to feel the leaves and grass crunching under your feet to see the stars at night, the clouds pass by, every moment shouts, our God is awesome. awesome. And he has given that to us to inspire us to live daily for him, to make him first. Run real quick, not run, but turn real quick to uh, Psalm 66. It would take you a long time to get there by running. But Psalm 66, and this is a great psalm, Uh, we don't know exactly who wrote this, could be David, could be Asaph, could be a number of different uh, songwriters back in the day of the Old Testament, but I think this psalm really puts in perspective our focus on the awesome character, nature, and work of God, and what our responsibility is towards that. And the psalmist starts in the first four verses and says, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praises of your name. Those are all exclamation points of how we are to respond to this God who's revealed himself as a loving, caring Father, but yet at the same time, all-powerful, mighty creator of heaven and earth who says, Thou shalt be holy as I am holy. And our response to that is praise to his name. Praise to his name. When was the last time you thanked God? For something that he's done in your life and the, I know the question well God hasn't done anything really miraculous in my life it's kind of just normal and every day's the same and and I think to myself oh we are looking for miracles when God says our relationship the fact that you know me and I know you that's miracle enough that's amazing enough that is awesome enough to focus on for eternity his love patience kindness long suffering toward us is enough to put a song on the lips of all of creation wow. for eternity wow say to god how awesome are your deeds. What has God done in your life that is inspiring of praise? I'm not just talking about the general praise when we get together and we want to sing a song and we raise our hand, we clap, we sing. I'm just talking about general praise. I'm talking about you specifically. When was the last time in your life specifically did it feel like you should just shout out that God is good? to you we don't often do that we might have moments of wow that was a great day or that was a fantastic event God calls us and that's what Jesus is reminding us of in the Sermon on the Mount God calls us and reminds us time and time again if you think about me throughout your day not sitting and meditating for eight hours a day, but if throughout the day you think of me and you purpose in your heart and in your mind to think about me, you will recognize moment by moment by moment that he reminds us that he is good, that he loves us, that he nurtures us, that he inspires us to be more and more like Christ. But we need to focus on it. We need to think day in and day out because we are pressured with the world to just drive through and get things done as quick as possible that we don't stop and reflect what deeds has God done for us? What deeds? And I'm not talking about Thanksgiving type of thanks of, oh, thank you for the food, thank you for the housing, thank you for friends, thank you for giving me this new day. I'm talking about the deeds that he's done in our lives. The fact that he forgives us when we say, forgive us. (sighs) How hard that is for us to do for one another, but God says, it's done. As far as the east is from the west, your sins are forgiven. Why does no, it's done? We like being forgiven. We like being restored. We like that feeling of our guilt being removed. That's something we can experience every day, isn't it? That's a deed that God has done. God has done so much for us. Uh, I had a friend who lived in South Africa who came and visited us in America, a church that we were at in Milwaukee. And I remember just driving to him to a store or a restaurant. Uh, He was a missionary. It was very quick and didn't seem very consequential at all. Maybe I think we were just all going to a store. And um, we got in the car and drove to our destination. And we were getting out of the car. And Peter, his name was Peter Hammond. And Peter said, um, well, are we going to pray? And I'm looking like, "Mm, we just got to the store. I don't know what you're talking about. And the pastor who was with us, he said, I, why, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I'm never going to not pray, but Peter, why are we praying? Well, we got here safely. And that took us all by surprise because I don't think I've ever once sat in a car thanking God for delivering us safely to a grocery store. I mean, have you? I mean, maybe if there was an accident that you missed by two seconds, you went, oh, oh God, thank you for, for saving me from that. It might have been a reactionary, oh, thank you. Or, oh, good, there's a parking spot right in front. Yeah, sometimes we would do that. But there wasn't any of those things. We just got there. He says, well, shouldn't we pray? God brought us safely to this spot. Oh, wow. Talk about praying without ceasing. Maybe that's kind of what Paul meant, to have this mentality where throughout the day I recognize his deed and I thank him for it. Now, that might make a real long trip to the store if you're going to three or four stores at once. Totally get it. But that mindset of after you've arrived, thank you, Lord, we arrived. Thank you. That, I think, is what he's talking about when we look at his deeds to us and we appreciate it because we can so quickly look over those things and glance over it and go, that's just normal, everyday life. God is involved in your normal, everyday life. Everything in your day he's involved in, cares about, and is working in. It's just up to us to take a moment and go, I acknowledge you, Lord. What you've done this day, all the different things that I approached, all the different headaches and heartaches I had to deal with, all the different struggles I had and all the joys that I had, you were there right beside me. I am never far from you and you are never far from me. Thank you. That's all it takes to remember his deeds. And I think when you start down that path, you then become... You become aware of the small, minute things in life and how active God is involved in that. Continuing on in in, uh, Psalm 66, even more things. Verse 5, Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. And then he gives us a a couple things here. He goes, He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. The number of times, the number of times, Scripture goes back to Israel's deliverance in Egypt through the Red Sea into the Promised Land happens hundreds of times. It's a one-time event. God saved his people. Hundreds of times it talks about, praise God for that deliverance. Praise God for that act of saving. I think it's a one-for-one correlation with us. While we have not been slaves, freed from an oppressive government and brought into a promised land, something greater has happened to us. If we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that same freedom, that same act of being enslaved and indebted to sin, freed by the blood of Christ, paid by his ransom, now we're in the kingdom of God, loving his holiness, loving his righteousness, loving his name, putting a praise upon our heart, How often do we thank God for that? If we take Scripture's example, virtually half the Psalms talk about it, the New Testament talks about it, and the Old Testament talks about it everywhere as a sign of God's love, as a sign of God's caring. There should never be a day where we can't say how horrible that day was, how hard that day was, how painful that day was, where we can't end the day by saying, thank you, Lord, for saving me. And then all of a sudden, everything gets put into perspective. This light and temporary troubles and trials are nothing compared to the end of living with him forever. Awesome are your deeds for all of mankind. Verse 8, praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept your feet from slipping. You can read that both in a physical sense and a spiritual sense. The number of times that God has saved your life, how many times has that been, that he's saved your life? You can answer it, or you can ask the question in a different way. How many next days has he given you? Oh, okay, that's, that's too much math. Years. <laughs> How many extra years has he given you? Every one of them. Every one of them. He has kept you here. And you can think of that as spiritually as well. How many times has God kept you from temptation? I, I can't even begin. can't even begin to fathom the times that he has stopped your eyes from wandering. The times that he has stopped your mind from rushing to a conclusion or engaging in an activity that was sinful. He has has kept you. And yes, there have been times where we have sinned, just like Peter putting his foot in his mouth multiple times, lying, lying to Jesus. The times that he has kept us near are the number of days that we've had. He has done that to perfection. For you, God, have tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our back. Let your people ride, you let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. You see, the psalmist, whoever is writing this, does a beautiful job with real life. He acknowledges that there are hard times. It's like being refined. It's like being in prison. It's like being beat over, taken advantage of. But at the end of the day, through all of those trials, we know that God wants us to be more like Jesus. And if it takes this to get me more like Jesus, if it takes this to put more praises in my heart, if it takes this for me to be closer to him, if it takes this for me to be on my knees and beg God for help and draw near to him, he's going to bring it. He cares more. And I've said this so many times, you probably can finish this sentence. He cares more about your comfort, or, ah, I just gave it away. He cares more about your character than your comfort. (laughs) How did I mess that up? Well, you remember it now. He cares more about your character than your comfort. Comfort is fleeting. Comfort is here and gone. Comfort is defined by many different ways. What you find is comfortable, I may find as, oh, this is a little uncomfortable. We all have different senses of comfort, but we have one sense of character. To be like Jesus. So anything God can do in our lives that brings us face to face with living more for him and being less dependent upon the comforts of life, he's going to bring it. And the psalmist says that's a good thing. We went through these things. They were terrible when we were going through them, but in the end, you brought us to a place of abundance. (laughs) Finishing up here in Psalm 66, I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke. When I was in trouble, I will sacrifice fat animals to you and offerings of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. This This is the Old Testament way of saying, I'm praising you. I'm praising you. I'm praising you, I'm serving you, I'm, I'm demonstrating how valuable you are to me through sacrifice. It says, Come in here, all you who fear God, let me tell you what he has done for me. Oh, could you imagine how our conversations would be different if we didn't focus on, I don't like this. Oh, the government's going to hell in a handbasket, or or this is terrible, or or this or that, or, or complaining. And instead, we started our conversations with, and I'm guilty of this. God was awesome to me yesterday. Let me tell you what He did. He allowed me to get up, He gave me the strength to get up. I had breath, I had breakfast, I had clothes to wear, I had a house. I had a car that started, it drove, and we got to work, we got to school, we got to the appointments, and God brought me safely home, and throughout the day, I was able to think about him, and I looked up into the skies, and I saw a bird, and it was beautiful. How was your day? All of a sudden, our attitudes change, our mindset changes, and we become better equipped... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We become better equipped to have great thoughts about God. I I would love to challenge myself and say, you know what, I'm going to make a commitment with you, and every time we have a conversation, we're going to start that way. But I know myself too well. I'm going to talk about the weather. I'm going to talk about just things that are really not important. Sometimes it's just socially awkward. Sometimes I'm just tired of talking. I know that that's hard to believe because I could go on for another hour. But, okay, let, 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 let me finish here the message and then I'll just finish reading because this is really a great application point. Let's try with one another. When we have these idle conversations about, Life, meeting each other over there, getting a cup of coffee. Is it possible for us at all to just simply say, hey, come here, all of you who fear God, and let me tell you what He's done for me? Can we have some of those conversations? Doesn't have to be today. Be awesome if it would be today. See how easy it is to throw that word awesome in there? I'm guilty of it. It would be a good thing if we were known as a church that spent more time talking about the great things God has done in our lives than what's wrong with the world and what's wrong with everybody else and what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. And we all, we all get it. We all know what's wrong. Okay. What we need to be reminded of is what God has done good in our lives. He finishes the... the He or she finishes the chapter by saying, I cried out to him with my mouth, his praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayers. Praise be to God, who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. The very next time you feel God doesn't hear you, God is far away, God doesn't care. God doesn't love me. God doesn't know what I'm going through. No one cares. I'm all alone. You pick up or turn into your app, Psalm 66, and you read it. And you read it again and again and again and again. Because it's reminding you, God loves you. And that love is tremendously packed with information, with emotions, And his action. Why don't we stand up? And why don't we pray? Our gracious Lord and Savior, you are tremendous at finding that thing that just pricks our heart to where we humbly bow before you and worship. Lord, let our conversations be filled with your deeds with what you've done. Let our conversations be filled with your praises, your glory, your amazement, your awesomeness, and not what we think is wrong or what bugs us or what stresses us. Father, help us to have great thoughts about you and live joyfully. Help us to think first of your kingdom, your work, and your nature. Father, keep praise on our lips. And keep Psalm 66 in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week, everyone. See you back next week for a new series. And God bless.